Welcome to episode 11 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. Before I get started with my guest, Sean Patrick McPeak, a quick shout out to my good friend and one of my many mentors, Cameron Copper Camo Bentley and Copper Palette Press. Happy ninth birthday to the shop. You can find Cameron on Instagram at Copper Camo. Today I'm sitting down with my friend, Sean Patrick McPeak. Sean is a Navy veteran, tattoo enthusiast, Freemason, shamanic practitioner at Kintu Spirit Works, and a partner at Mountain Lotus Counseling, where he specializes in depth psychotherapy. Join us as we discuss everything to nothing, including Carl Jung, music, and tattoos. Sean, what's up, man? How are you? I'm well, brother. How you doing? Doing very good. You have a good Friday so far? I am. I saw one patient today. That's a good Friday. I usually don't see patients on Friday. I, I save that for research and uh, and writing and, and admin. Usually kind of push off the admin. It's not my favorite. <laughs> but so, yeah. Um, and that's your web development company, right? Uh, no, that's a that's psychotherapy practice. That is psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah still like there's notes and, and, and billing and things like that. And, all the administrative hassle. Yeah, I joke all the time. Like, I'm a pretty good therapist, and I'm a terrible administrator. So, um, I have to really dedicate time to it. So. No, I can only imagine managing a business, let alone owning and operating. So it's a shit ton of work. Yeah, I. When I was in the Navy, I had a chief petty officer, um, petty officer or chief Robert Waters. He told me once, uh, petty officer McPeak. You're a fucking management nightmare. <laughs> and uh, I said, what do you mean? He goes, you think you're the boss. And when I got out of the Navy, like, I never went to work for somebody else because I knew I was a management nightmare. Yeah, it, well, and you're the boss. Yeah. You, you're, you didn't think it, you knew it, maybe. Yeah, and so, you know, started a web development company, you know, started doing freelance, turned into a web development company. Right. Put me through school. And then even after getting out of school with my degree, um, I essentially was working for myself, you know. Nice. Finding my own clients, doing all that. Networking. Yeah. It felt great to not have to um, report to a boss. But the the farther along I I go down this road, the more I'm thinking, God, it would be nice at like 5 (laughs) o'clock to just turn to somebody and say, not my problem. That's what's nice with work and where I do construction because you leave the job site and you're done. I do a little bit of documentation throughout the day, so when I get home, get an ice cold course banquet and sent photos of the progress that, that kind of went on through the day. But when I technically punch the clock, I'm done. Yeah. God, that's I nice, that's like. <laughs> you know, like there's work to do at home. There's work to do on weekends. Anyone, there's not work to going, right? Like my web company, right? I got people working for me. And so yeah. I don't worry about them. I worry about not just getting enough work for me, but enough work for, to feed their families and stuff. And how many employees do you have? Um, just just two full-time employees now, um, but it's heyday, you know, when yeah. I was really trying to work it, you know, we were up to 12 full-time employees and Damn. contractors, and that's a lot of stress, if you care about the people working for you, which oh, I yeah. do, you know, yeah. um, and so, Puppy. Yep. it was tough, um, I, I, I do envy, um, being an employee, <laughs> for sure. pros and cons to everything, don't envy it too much, that's uh, true, how long were you in the Navy for? Uh, I served four years. Four years? So not an extensive career, but a good one. Yeah. I think everybody should serve. I've, I never served. 
I got close a couple times once. I uh, went to take my ASVAB for the Air Force. Yeah. I had all my paperwork good to go, bulletproof. Got down to the ASVAB center, and the guy's like, where's page 15? Whatever. It's in there, sir. No, it's not. I'm like, I got to go home. I got to find it. And I just kind of took that as a sign to wait. Yeah. <laughs> and that was maybe 97, 98. Um, outside of that, after 9-11. Yeah. Mark Klein and I went and talked to an army recruiter and wanted to serve. I mean, that was a really crazy time in our country's history, obviously. Yeah. And uh, you you kind of saw patriotism soar, but I I always had that ingrained as a kid. Like, well, well, that's why I joined, right? I I joined late in life. I was 29 when I enlisted. Damn. Um, and it was after 9/11. Yeah. I wanted to serve, and um, my father did 31 years in the Air Force. Enlisted. Okay. Um, his father was Army. Uh, my mother's father was Royal Air Force, um, so yeah, we're you know she's got two brothers in the Royal Navy, big military family. And I'd always yeah. regretted not joining, but I was a punk rock kid and you know, <laughs> likewise smoking weed and getting in trouble, and it just didn't really fit my lifestyle. But I'd regretted it, and then so after 9/11, having some experience in um, network security, right? Okay, I had a skill set they were looking for. And they offered me a great enlistment package um, because of my already known skill set, um, and it just made sense. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's. I don't know if it's ironic, but Kane, who was on the last episode, who's a brother of ours, he joined the Air Force after 9/11 as well. Yeah, it's just a crazy time. And and Kane's great. Um, in spite of his Air Force service. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nice little jab there. I like that. Uh, no, Kane's a great dude. We had a lot of fun when he was on. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get, I mean, they, I know through the Navy you joined Freemasonry while you were in the Navy? Yeah, um, just the tail end. I, um, most of the people that I met in the military that I had a lot of respect for, you know, I've always been kind of analytical. Yeah. Right? And I was like, what are the common features that make these men really good men? And I think one of them was military service, right? Okay. Um, but another one was, you know, I noticed this strange symbol on everybody's <laughs> name tags on their desk, right? This square and compass and a G. In the military? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, a lot of guys will have it actually on their, you know, they'll have the seal of the Navy, their name and rank, and then... Square and compasses. Square and compass, yeah. Nice. And I asked uh, Chief Waters, what's that? And he grabbed a bridge to light and handed it to me. He's like, flip through that and see what you think. I haven't heard of this book. A bridge, um, a bridge yeah, to light. It's a Scottish Rite. Okay. Um, book for hey, dogs from this podcast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, um, it's it's a book Scottish Rite. It explains all the degrees in Scottish Rite from fourth degree up to thirty second degree. Nice. And I didn't understand any of it. But I just thought, oh, <laughs> I these aprons are cool and these jewels and all these. And and for me, the main thing was like the symbols, right? Yeah. Um, symbolism's always been big for me. And, um, here's a book full of it. Nice. My curiosity meter was pegged, you know. Well, I think it's interesting where we're, we're both tattoo collectors and symbolism. It, it's a big part of our culture and our background and who yeah. we are. And, and that definitely is one of the things that drew me to Freemasonry as well, is the, the symbolism and the allegory and yeah. you know, what taking good men and making them better through a system of symbols and allegory. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no surprise, right, that um, as a psychotherapist, I'm a Jungian, right? Which, yeah image and symbol is so powerful. You want to define Jungian for 
people, I mean, I obviously know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to explain that for people tuning in? Yeah, so uh, Carl Jung was a protege of Sigmund Freud. Okay. Um, and it was almost like a father-son relationship. Right. Carl Jung didn't have a great relationship with his father, who was a Protestant minister, who Jung knew um, his father didn't really believe the faith he professed, so he resented that. But in in Freud, he found this great mentor and father figure. Um, but as as Carl Jung developed his theory, and Freud realized he wasn't going to carry on his legacy, <laughs> that he was going to go in a different direction. Right. That a that a severe breach, right? That, yeah. That relationship fractured, um, and that was the catalyst for Carl Jung's Red Book, which is um, an active imaginational process uh, of this. You know, traumatic event in his life, and and he knew that um, he had to go look inside and really kind of find out who he was, and that's mainly the focus of uh, Jungian um, psychology, uh, analytical psychology of um, the work is inside, right? Yeah. Um, you do the work within, it changes your life without. Right? Yeah. Which is alchemical, right? Um, Hermes Trismegistus, right? In the Emerald Tablet. What? So, uh, uh, Hermes Trismegistus is an ancient Egyptian alchemist. Okay. Um, one of the earliest alchemists, right? And there's a dispute around, like, was he an actual person? Was this, like... Yeah, mythological. Yeah. Um, but in the Emerald Tablet, one of his greatest works, um, he starts with... Um, that which is above is like that which is below. Yeah. As above, so below. As above, so below. Which I noticed this statue of Baphomet on <laughs> your bookcase. Um, Hanging out in uh, illumination. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's where Levy came up with that concept of as above. Anton Levy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, from this early hermetic um, alchemical text, right? Um, and Jung bought into these um, tremendously. In this process, he had um, dreams and visions of these books with strange symbols in it um, that he knew like this was a way of finding out what's below the surface in the unconscious. And it wasn't until later he made the connection of like, oh, you know, and somebody gifting him an ancient alchemical text, he's like, these are the symbols. This is what and, I've been and he'd dreamt envisioning. Them. Yeah, he'd never seen That's them. That's fucking crazy. Dreamt them. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and that was what led to Jung's concept of the collective unconscious. That we all have a consciousness um, and our own personal unconscious, but deeper than that, there's a collective unconscious that we all kind of pull into this collective archetypal material. Yeah. Uh, these concepts of alchemy and, and magic and mysticism and. Um, Archetypal material, kings, lovers, magicians, warriors, that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, groovy shit. Oh, well, that's, that's a ramble, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's good. I love it. Hopefully we're going to do some people who are unaware of Jung to kind of explore that. I've only read one piece of his material, uh, Modern Man in Search of a Soul. Great read. And I, I blasted that on Instagram on my personal page, and you, you asked me why I picked that one, and it just kind of stuck out to me. It's a good one. People ask me a lot. I need like, to revisit it. There's a lot to digest there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I revisit Jung all the time, and, and and just like masonry, right? Like yeah. Um, 
you learn things in degrees, right? Right. You, you can't just like say, here's the answer. Because you won't hear it even if you're told it, right? <laughs> um, you have to learn it. Foundation. You have to experience it. it, yeah. And revisit that, you know? Yeah. Every time you revisit it, at least for me, I come away with a different understanding or a deeper appreciation. Yeah. Or worse, a reinforced um, understanding of like, yeah, I, I do understand yeah. that the way I understand. Very well said. Do we have to insert our... Uh, well, we're talking about masonry on a podcast that it's not a reflection of any grand lodge or lodge of any jurisdiction. It's our own personal, I don't know, opinions. Yeah. I think course. it's funny we have to say that. But yeah. Cover our ass. I don't want to piss off I, grand lodge. Yeah. What, what am I know, right? I'm sure I'm going to piss off a lot of Jungians, right? Like, it's like, that's not my take on it. Of course it's not. There's a few times on a few episodes where we bring up haters and it's not, I just bring the hate. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to oh. be me, do me and... Yeah, and people are gonna love or hate it, but it's not gonna slow me down. <laughs> bring the hate, you know. In the clip that I picked, right, that you know, that Yoda talking about the dark side. Right? Yeah, Jungians we talk about the shadow, and it's those aspects of ourselves that um, the shadow consciousness. Yeah, that we don't we don't accept those qualities in ourselves, or our culture doesn't accept those qualities in us. So we we push them into the unconscious, that place where we don't have to look at that as part of us. But yeah. they're there, right? Yeah, everybody has the liar quality to them, the violent quality, um, the cheat, um, uh, these things that we don't value as personally or as a culture. So we don't want to admit they're in there, so we don't look at them. But we definitely see them in other people, right? Oh, we're we're very quick to see them in other people. Yeah, and so the more we repress those things, the more likely we are to reject them on somebody else. Because our psyche wants us to be whole. It wants us to see these things, and when we won't own them, It'll make us see them, but on somebody else, right? Yeah. When you have that visceral reaction to somebody of like, oh, I just met this guy at a party. He's a total asshole. There's something yeah. about him, right? Like my stomach. Just vibes wrong. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's not him, right? It's you. Because you don't well, know him. You you can't be reacting you, to a person you don't. know. Kind of like you mentioned, you you project those qualities, good or bad, or yeah. indifferent, good onto other people. Yeah. You do. It's one way that the unconscious makes itself known through projection. Okay. Right. So, like, my research is focused around the concept of anima, right? Which is... What is anima? Anima. Anima, uh, A-N-I-M-A. Anima. Anima. So, Jung proposes that um, this great archetype, anima, uh, resides in men. It's, it's the most powerful uh, archetype within men, often referred to as the soul of men. So, to have balance, right, that which is in consciousness is balanced by the opposite in the unconscious. Okay. That's equilibrium, right? Yeah. So if, for, and I'm talking binary right now, and it's much more nuanced than this, but just for conceptualizing this talk binary. So men being outwardly masculine, their soul is feminine. Yeah. Anima. Women. And Carl Jung talks about that. Mm-hmm. The feminine side. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no. Um, and for women, uh, animus is the masculine soul, right? Right. For outward feminine. And, and granted, like, gender is... Uh, is fluid and, and and gradient, right? So all sorts of combinations in there, right? So, right. Um, I won't tell anybody the the nature of their soul. Right? <laughs> That's for them to decide. Self discovery is important, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Jung talks about like the greatest projection, right? Like is um, when you fall in love with somebody. That's an for men. That's an anima projection, right? You project your your feminine. So, yeah, psyche. Onto, yeah, onto the, this woman, um, 
who has the capacity to, to mirror that back to us, right? So it's a way of seeing our soul. That's why we love it, that person so much, right? Um, and love is when they project their onimus, you know, on, on onto us, us, right? Yeah. And we can reflect that back, right? So it's a mutually shared um, projection, right? <laughs> and so, like, it's it's very unromantic, right? <laughs> but he explains, like, that's what's going on in love. Right? It's psycho psychological. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like knowing that. I like seeing my anima projected on people. The, the key is to be able to differentiate between your projection and that person. Right. Um, and that's tougher to do, right? That's where, like... It's all tough to do for me. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, right? Like, um, the journey's a rough trail, which I'm sure I, I, I know I get off the path quite a bit. And sitting down with Jensen a couple weeks ago kind of helped reel me back in. He's yeah. kind of that guy, like, no, over here. <laughs> over here, brother, what are you doing? Jensen's a good guy for that, too, for yeah. sure. And he's tossed out a couple book recommendations for me. Um, the War of Art, or is it The Art of War? I always get it fucking mixed War up. War of Art. Thank you. Which is funny. Stephen like, Pressfield. Yeah, Not, it's funny because uh, it's a great read. Yeah, um, super short, too. But, you know, as a, as a designer, right? Like, yeah. You know, um, front-end web developer, right? Like design's important to me and when I first saw that book um, you know what kerning is uh -huh. like the, the space between letters oh yeah um, it was off on the W and the A where they both signed together <laughs> and it just it was a book talking about art and the kerning was off and it just <laughs> drove like, me nuts it's small just, details that neurosis in me just was triggered by that of like how can you write about art and miss the kerning in the I cheat a lot and I, I listen to it on audible books on tape are my jam yeah, I, I struggle. The books I want to read are, are very rarely available. Yeah. I saw a meme today on Facebook that was a guy who just seemed distraught at a coffee shop, and it said, uh, when you find out the book you want to read is not available in e-form. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, fuck. Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, you been getting tattooed at all lately? You been getting any new work done? Yeah, um, getting a lot of work done. I, I'm, I'm covering an old back piece. That's got to be fun. Yeah, um, with a rad back piece. I got, and it's a collaboration with two artists, uh, good friends of mine, um, Zach Sandal and um, and Ryan, both over at um, uh, Tiger Claw. Oh, nice. I, I'm actually planning on going down, talking to Austin down there. Oh yeah, nice. He's tattooed Jackie quite a bit, and he did a Pee Wee Herman bow tie, my funny bone. Nice. Uh, but I've got a pretty big piece. I need to go sit down with him. So that'd be cool if I run into you down there. Yeah. That's a little bit of a newer shop, but that's a it's a nice shop. Yeah, many, I, do you know how many artists they have down there? Um, so Shay's there, Austin there. So there's four. I know there's a couple. They got a couple guests in town this weekend. Yeah. Saw like international tattoo convention popped off today. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, and. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, her name's slipping my mind now. But, uh, yeah, they got it. Um, I'm kicking myself. It'll come back. But yes, yeah, I think Kiddo's was trying to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> puffing and puffing in the background. Yeah. Dog-friendly podcast. It's the best. Are you going to go down and check out the convention at all? I might. Um, I've always kind of struggled with them because it's kind of like, uh, let me go pay a chunk of money to go see all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, But it is a good time. Um, and, and I, I usually end up going for, for prints and, and art pieces by these guys. That's typically why we go down. Yeah. I was looking at a couple of your pieces, and you got some rad stuff on the walls here. Yeah, uh, thank you. You guys should see this office. It's cool. This His home. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is the only room I really have a say in how it's put together, so can have a bunch of random shit. You're doing all right. <laughs> I like random shit. <laughs> Thanks. It sounds like a metaphor for my life. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, aside from that, you mentioned you got a movie clip for us, and I, I asked everybody for a movie clip, and it, it took you a little while to get back to me, but you picked a great one. It was, it was <laughs> tough, right? And, and I love the synchronicity of walking in and seeing the movie clip playing behind you on this big screen of the one I almost went with. So what are the odds of that? Yeah, which was a Doctor Strange clip. Yeah. He goes and meets the Grandmaster, and where are they in Nepal? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in Nepal. And... Doc, friendly podcast. I always take the bones away and I always find where they stash him. Yeah. That's a great scene though. You mentioned it was going to be the one where she, he's kind of getting pissed off and defensive and belittling everything that she's telling him. Yeah. And he gets aggressive, doesn't necessarily like physically attack her, but he gets in her face and she just pops his third eye and yeah. sends him on a quick trip. Sh shows him what reality <laughs> really is. And, and Very well done. And I love the clip because... I mean, it talks about the psychological phenomenon of resistance, right? Yeah. Like, you can lay it all out, all this truth before you, and and um, ego doesn't want to believe that, right? Because yeah. it has rules and it has things that it's told itself, right? Our reality, because that's ego's job, right? Yeah. It's like I am this, I'm not that, yeah. right? Um, and then when you when you come into knowing that is in conflict with that, ego is tremendously powerful of convincing us the truth is not the truth yeah so that it doesn't have to reorganize everything <laughs> we were resistant to it and she doesn't care she, she opens <laughs> them up anyway well and then uh, i can't remember the other sorcerer's name that that's with him in the room but he's she, he's basically like we're gonna fry this guy's brain if you don't bring him back she's like no he's fine <laughs> yeah. he's, he's going on that, that journey of, and seeing exactly what he needs to see he may feel fried yeah, but he'll I, be alright I can't even imagine that, that's some crazy shit have you been watching any other movies lately anything kind of I know you're extremely busy with work and lodge yeah family <laughs> dog you got a lot going on but finishing a dissertation or starting one or in the middle of one I don't know can't remember um, yeah um Life's good, it's full, it's busy. Um, nice. As far as movies, man, uh, uh, Black Panther was phenomenal. Black Panther kicked ass. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. It was um, overdue, you know, in, yeah. in the world of... Um, Cinematography, film, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. You know? And that cast, I mean, everybody just fucking killed it. Crushed it. Michael B. Jordan's phenomenal, dude. Unreal, man. Yeah. It was just... Every, I mean... I'm a huge nerd. I've got a huge fandom for Marvel, and I, I think that what they've done building their cinematic universe is phenomenal. But yeah, look at it compared to DC, which just oh, everything flops, right? It's horrible. Uh, Except for Wonder Woman, kicked ass. Uh, I don't know about that, right? Like, oh, I, I, I hate Wonder Woman haters. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I love Wonder Woman. Nice. I like this film. You know, I uh, was late to seeing it, but just heard all these wonderful things about you know this. Um, pro-feminist movement and uh, or movie and uh, watched it with uh, my girlfriend Kim and, and like she was really excited to see this I was really excited to see it and there were a lot of instances in there where I don't think she was tremendously feminine there was still a lot of relying on this male well, it falls character. on Chris Pine a lot yeah. I think I think it was Chris Pine and 
and I was struggling because I'm like, I don't think that was necessary for the plot. You know, it just yeah. seemed a lot of patriarchy still left in here with hints of feminism, but um, just real curious about why she needed to rely on him. It didn't develop her character anymore. There was it didn't lead to kind of hindered her character I agree. development. I agree. Yeah. So that's why I in retrospect, it's interesting you bring bring that up. Yeah, I uh, so I really struggled with that. I was I wanted to see this um, powerfully feminist movement uh, movie, um, and I think it fell short of that like, huh. by a margin. Yeah. So. From what DC's put out the last few years, though, very well done. <laughs> yeah. By DC's I still standards. haven't seen Justice League. I kind of don't want to. I don't want to see it either. I, I don't know. Uh, the director's cut of Batman vs. Superman, I think, is okay. Yeah. But it's still not that great. Ever since Nolan left DC. Yeah. I mean, I think Tim Burton did great with characters from that. Uh, Christopher Nolan obviously did great. And then... I don't know what happened, dude. They're just trying. I I really can't. I mean, how do you fuck up Superman? <laughs> uh, well, they did it. They did it. <laughs> yeah, they did it. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, you'd have to ask, like, man, what went on in that um, conference room? Right? Yeah, who green with this project? Because <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was it was bad. It well, was it bad. sounds like Zack Snyder may have not left the project. He may have been asked to leave. Yeah. And then it, they just kind of slaughtered where he was going with the story. And I think had he been in there, even though Batman versus Superman wasn't that great, it probably would have been a lot better than, I think than so. what it is. I think so. I think any time you interrupt creativity like that um, and then just try to finish it, it falls flat. I think yeah. Design and creative processes like that are holistic, right? That you can't okay. piecemeal it, right? That, I mean, I used to... Coming to that, you know, when I was designing for customers, and I'd do a great design, whether it's a logo or a website, that I felt was great. And they'd say, can you tweak this a bit? Can you tweak this a bit? By the yeah. end, none of it works together. And even they don't like it. Right? And it's not your creation anymore. Yeah, but it's kind every of element on there is supposed to be there, and it's supposed to be where it's supposed to be, relative to other pieces, so that it's a balanced piece. And when you kind of tweak one thing, it throws off all the balance, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's what kind of happens when you have creative interruption in even a movie or music or anything like that. Any project that you have that creative involvement and then when you, that artistic freedom is taken away from you and hinders your ability to express yourself ultimately, yeah, it fucks everything up. Yeah, well, <laughs> not that I spin everything back to Jung, but let's do it here. Um, you know, Jung <laughs> talks about like that, you know, creativity comes from the unconscious, right? We don't sit down with our frontal cortex and say, let's make something beautiful, right? Right. We, we might say, like, this will be aesthetically pleasing because I know these rules to um, to beauty, right? Um, but really great stuff that moves us comes from somewhere else. You talk to creative people and they're like, oh, yeah. this kind of came through me, right? Is uh, yeah. The muse, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, and Jung even talks about, like, creativity comes through anima, right? Nice. Um, that she can go deeper into the unconscious and brings this out, right? Nice. Um, and, and so, because it's like this channel process, right? Like, when I've done my best work in creative work, it, it almost never feels like mine. I feel like honored to have brought this, but it, it's not mine. It's channeled through you. Yeah, so it's More even weird to take a compliment, right? Of like, oh, people are like, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I think so too. I don't know where it <laughs> almost came from, feel right? like, yeah, almost like plagi plagiarism a little bit. Like, yeah, a yeah little bit. I put it out there, but it's not really mine. Right, yeah. <laughs> 
it's Maybe. not really mine. It's like it kind of feels like a collective thing. It feels like here it's ours. I yeah. just happened to bring this out. We mentioned resistance a little bit, and uh, that book, that Stephen Pressfield book, really brought that to perspective for me with resistance and facing resistance. So, I mean, what type, what type of tools do you use when you encounter resistance, whether it's with your work or your personal life? Man, I okay. So I struggle with the resistance a lot, right? So <laughs> so uh, do I. I don't know if I'm the expert here. <laughs> but I might be the expert of the experience of resistance, not necessarily the cure. Uh, oh, cat friendly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so for me, like, I'll, um, there are there are things that I that I know um, benefit me, right? Right. I know when I work out, I feel better, right? Yeah. Um, but when I'm not feeling great, I don't want to work out. Cognitively, I know. Yeah, but once you work out, you will feel better, right? Yeah. Right. Um, release endorphins and serotonin and um, these things that'll make you feel. I know the science, right? But that voice is still like, yeah, but I still don't want to. Yeah. Right. You can and, do it tomorrow. Yeah. Getting past that is a huge challenge for me. Um, I find that consistency, you know, helps me get past resistance. Right. Of like, I don't want to do this today. But if I did it yesterday, I know right. it's easier to do it today. Right. I go three days without doing something. <laughs> that object, that momentum has stopped, right? Yeah. And we know quantum physics, right? Even Newtonian physics, objects in motion tend to stay in motion, right? right. We if we're motivated we t and we keep working that, fueling that, we tend to stay motivated. Once we become unmotivated, it's Herculean to get that movement going, <laughs> right? It's easy to maintain mo movement. It's easier to start something than to restart. Something. Always, yeah. always, you know. Perpetual motion is huge. Yeah, so consistency works for me. Um, I think uh, resistance for me, I think I have to look outside myself a lot, right? Because okay. I'll let myself down and, you know, when I face resistance, right? Because yeah. it's just me. Um, uh, but if, if that resistance means I'm going to let somebody else down, I'm more likely to be able to meet that. Sorry, it's a pet friendly podcast. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the hamsters to roll in. Yeah, in right. Ball, right? <laughs> um, Need to get a parrot in here. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I I try to look outside of myself, right? It's something bigger than me to motivate me, and, and that tends to work a lot for me. Help you move through that resistance and, and keep that perpetual motion going. Yeah. I'll try to apply that when I'm experiencing resistance myself. I don't know how it works for you. It's, it's hit or miss for me. <laughs> well, I think uh, we're coming up on a half hour. You mentioned you, that clip, and we're going to plug that, and we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and wrap, wrap it up. Cool. Stronger? No, no, no. But the busier, more seductive. 
But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace, passive. Mm. A Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense. Never attack. But tell me why I can't... No, no, there is no why. <sighs> Nothing more will I teach you today. Clear your mind of questions. All right, so we took a little break. We listened to a clip of uh, some Jedi training with Yoda and Luke on Dagobah from Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back. Can't go wrong there. No, you cannot. Why do you Why do you think you went with that clip? Man, I I think I think Yoda in that clip is really trying to teach um, Luke the subtleties of the Force, right? Right. And the 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 battle is not deep in space, right? It's within himself, right? Right. That if he can conquer this dark part, this shadow within himself, right, um, that'll lead to greater enlightenment and clarity. Balance. And, and peace, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I get a lot of patients that come in, you know, and they're like, I'm here because I just want to be happy. Um, and I challenge that, sometimes up front and sometimes much later, right? Okay. It, do you want to be happy? Because um, that's out of balance too, right? That's not acknowledging, like, um, uh, sadness and despair and these things that are normal parts of the human condition, right? Right. You can't be happy without sadness because one is relative to the other. Well, you, you don't realize it's like when people talk about the bad in the world and yeah, there's some bad shit in the world but if we didn't acknowledge that, if we weren't aware of the bad, we wouldn't appreciate the good. Yeah. I mean, We would be unaware of the good. Uh, they're partners. They're yeah. dancing partners. Yin right? and yang, right? Uh, agree, right? Um, and and so I think what most people want is peace, right? Um, Harmony. We're taught to be happy, right? Right. Because we can, um, not to sound all tinfoil hat, right? But like capitalism tells us we want to be happy. Yeah. And oh, by the way, here's a thing that I can sell you. That will make, make you happy. happy right? Yeah. And then we'll buy that. And they're like, oh, but you don't have this new and improved version, right? Yeah. Or, oh, you don't have this accessory kit with that, right? Or, oh, you have the 1.0 version? Oh. <laughs> that makes you a little happy, but man, Challenges the 2.0. ego a little bit, too. Yeah. And so that's why I like him, you know, because he's, he's really teaching him to do inner work, right? Right. Like depth psychotherapy stuff. <laughs> Literally, like, the image where he goes down into this tunnel, right? Right. Because uh, all the, this scene on Dagobah takes place right before Luke ventures into the cave. Yeah. And, and Yoda even adds later in the clip, you know, away with your weapons, they'll do you no good. Yeah. And Luke's like... Fuck that. <laughs> you're just fighting yourself. Right? Yeah. Your own demons, right? Literally, like, the, the symbol of evil in the universe, Darth Vader, right? Right. When he defeats him, which he thinks he defeats him, right? And cuts his head off. The mask blows off, and it's him, right? Right. So, uh, our worst demons are within, right? Well, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be an analogy for Luke, bless you, kiddo, conquering his own demons. Yeah, and 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 I think that's the, the battle's not with Vader; it's with you. Yeah, and if you want to take it more nuanced, which, please, which I would, right? Like, <laughs> um, Yoda says, like, you know, you, you're not ready. You're taking weapons in there. You're approaching this the wrong way. And he does. He goes on the attack for these inner demons, right? Yeah. And the reality is, is like they're part of you, right? So if you attack your own inner demons, it's just self-attack, right? 
you need to befriend your demons, right? Like, they're a part of you. You don't have to act on what they want to do, but you have to bring them to the table. They have yeah. something to say. They're there. Yeah. They're uh, telling us something, whether it's something we need to execute or just listen to, we need to be aware of that. Yeah, when we repress things, these things in shadow that we don't like, they get louder, right? Jung famously said, um, I don't know how famously, but a quote <laughs> that, I, that I really appreciate is, those that fail to make the unconscious conscious are still ruled by it. They just call it fate. Right. Right. So these these voices, these parts of us, these demons, um, they're still part of us, and they have things to say. And when we repress them, they get louder. Right. Or they'll work through projection. Or right. And so we'll think like, why is everybody against me? When it's usually you. Right. Yeah. You you create a situation. Your unconscious creates a situation, so that it can be heard. So if you can directly like look at it, try to make those things more conscious. Um, give them a seat at the table. Again, you don't have to agree with them. You can hear what they have to say. Like, oh, I just want to murder that guy. He's pissing me off. <laughs> noted, right? But <laughs> right. now it's Duly conscious. Noted, but we're gonna go a different direction. We're gonna go a different direction. Literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, but that part is still valued in you, right? Right. Um, wholeness is always better than than partial consciousness, right? Okay. Even if it's messy and mucky, which it almost always is. That's crazy, dude. I don't know how you, how long did you go to school? I know you were traveling out to California. What was the, the school you were going to out there? Uh, Pacifica Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara. And so for three years in this doctoral program, I'd fly out once a month. Yeah, for I remember days, seeing your days post of, about traveling. Yeah, <laughs> days of lecture with some of the top people in the field of depth psychology. Uh, our campus houses Joseph Campbell's archives. So his, his personal library with his personal handwritten notes. That's got to be an amazing resource. It's fantastic to open a book that Joseph Campbell read to form his theories. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, down to like the ruler that he used to underline things. Well, and that kind of hollers back a little bit to Star Wars with Joseph Campbell and the, you know, the hero's journey. Uh, I'm still plowing through the hero with a thousand faces yeah and for the first time I've, as opposed to just focusing on one book I'm trying to focus on two at a time and hopefully build it up to where yeah I've I'm always got about 16 from, books open right that is insane dude 16 books at, at least right because <laughs> um, I'll read something that'll um, it'll remind me of something I read um, and I'll pull that up and go, oh, and I'll see that connection, right? Yeah. But then now that new connection reminds me of something. And so... You'd want to go and reference that. It's really scattered, right? Um, well, and Kane kind of mentioned that when I sat down with him, too. Yeah. And, and a rabbit hole analogy. Of yeah. You're reading this book, and it mentions something that reminds you of this book that makes you want to reference something from that book, and... Down the rabbit hole you go. Which is, which is a great experience for me to, to learn like that. Um, but it, it's really tough in academia when you're trying to do research and, um, and you want to narrow your topic, right? To, to focus on something and um, bring evidence around that. And sometimes uh, widening that topic um, doesn't get you anywhere, right? Because it just brings more and more <laughs> questions. And you want to get it down to like, try to answer right. one or two questions. Um, and so I'm always struggling with that of like, yeah, but what about this and what about this? And you start getting circular or spiral or 
this big web which is which is great and makes you feel connected to a lot of things but it, it's contrary to like answering this one specific question <laughs> you know if there's a gap in the research right yeah um, that you want to provide to the field right yeah so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, dude. I appreciate you coming over and, and taking some time to educate me. And most of the time, when I, if I'm like, right, I'm, I'm acknowledging that you're right. I'm not saying like, oh, I, sure. know, I know that. I'm yeah, yeah. trying to be a pompous ass, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I hope I'm not trying to be a pompous <laughs> ass. But, uh, no, I think you're, sure you're coming across, across very professional uh, <laughs> and well, educated. <laughs> Chief Waters would be proud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything in particular that, that you want to go over that we haven't touched base on? Yeah, man. Like I, I'm kind of curious a little bit more on your story. I know I know you from Lodge and, and some mutual friends and things like that, but like, um, what drew you into like masonry and, and this just kind of, you know, it's depth work that you're doing, right? Like right. Looking, you know, so what brought, what brought you to depth work and, and masonry and, and this, all these kinds of things? Depth work as far as energy work, spirituality, inner work, yeah. meditation that all falls on, on one of my closest and oldest friends, Chavis, and he's a Reiki master and, and I did a couple of Reiki sessions with him after he first got certified. This is years ago and I was an atheist for the longest time until I started kind of looking from within yeah. and changed my perspective. I don't really follow any sect or religion. I'm a deist, so I believe there's something there and maybe it's not necessarily listening to us but we can work in harmony with it sure. and we should be listening to it yeah it speaks to us whatever it may be so that really kind of started the journey and then on and off throughout that and learn a little bit about NLP you know language patterns and meditation and, and Reiki and energy points transcendental meditation in particular really kind of got me focusing on trying to improve myself. And masonry ties into that from Alex Jones and InfoWars years ago and him talking about the Freemasons are taking over the world and FEMA camps. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? If that's the case, we're, yeah, we're terrible at it. Oh, we're horrible. If we're running the we're world, we horrible. are the worst. We can't even agree on refreshments most of the time. Uh, everybody's got to pick apart refreshments. Oh, I don't like that beer. Well, why don't we have it anyways? Um, so that initially sparked my interest in Freemasonry and I researched it on my own and forgot about it for years, fell by the wayside. And then I was working at the Republican Tendon Bar and sitting down there with Brian Crowder, who's a, a brother of ours. And I was just kind of got talking about American history and Freemasonry came up obviously with the founding fathers and their involvement with the fraternity and the craft. and. He reminded me that my cousin-in-law, Scott Harris, who's a past oh. master of Argenta, yeah. was obviously a Mason, and he recommended that... Oh, you know, he was your brother-in-law. Cousin-in-law. Oh, cousin-in-law. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he married my cousin, Heather, who's a fantastic lady, so nice. they're, they're a, a good he, power he, couple of mine. He's a good dude, really good dude. But okay. Brian recommended I research it more on my own, take everything with a grain of salt. There's good and bad things on the internet, not all of them are true which I'm sure we both know very well. Sure. And if I had any questions to hit him up or Scott, and I, I really kind of went again down that rabbit hole and research, and I just got to a point where I felt that I could understand everything from the outside, yeah. but to really understand it, 
I had just needed to ask for a petition. So I, I petitioned in September of 2011, went through the first three degrees. I was raised to the sublime degree uh, on January 31st, 2012. So just kind of knocked it out. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted in and out as an officer through the lodge. You know, you really do have that opportunity to revisit those degrees and those teachings. And but you have to, right? Yeah. Long story short, that's how I kind of got into that. And I'm sure I was all over the place a little bit, but good I question. I love being all over the place. I mean, that's <laughs> we how mentioned my, that in the yeah, break. <laughs> that's how my mind works. That's how um, an average therapy session with me looks like. Uh, uh, that meandering is where you can kind of find things, right? Yeah. If you're following a linear path, you miss so much, you know? Yeah. And if the conversation goes this way, I trust that for a reason, right? Something right. in the unconscious psyche and the field between our psyches wants us to go that way. Yeah. Talk about resistance. Um, <laughs> that's where I meet no resistance. I, I let it go um, where it needs to go. And there's all, you always find gold there. Yeah. Right? You, you, you follow this path through the wilderness, you never find treasure in the middle of the road. No. Right? Absolutely You have not. to wander off <laughs> and find caves or hollows in trees um, uh, or fairy rings or whatever it takes, right? Like, <laughs> that's where you find treasure, never on the beaten path. Well, and I like that you, you kind of mentioned that that's where you find gold is just in a free-form conversation because I never really con considered that or realized it. Maybe subconsciously I did, but that's the biggest thing for me with doing this podcast is not having a form or a script or, you know, I didn't email you 20 questions. Hey, this is what I'm going to ask you. This is what we're going to talk about. And we didn't really have a pregame. Yeah. It's just now I want to have people that, in a sense, I, I look up to and I'm well, friends of mine and that I love and care about and I think are interesting. I mean, everybody that I've had, I, I hold a, a lot of respect for and I genuinely want to hear what they have to say. I don't care what, what it is or where it goes, I want to hear it. Well, thanks. <laughs> and, and I think that, that open-endedness um, in format, right? Yeah. Like a non-format format was what was appealing <laughs> to me because, oh, I... One of my favorite things is just connecting with people, right? Like yeah, getting to know people. Yeah, people are wonderful, and, and I like to fall in love with people, and um, and I do that by getting to know them and not saying like, I, my, so I run men's groups often, and it's one of my favorite things I get to do in my practice. Um, How many men do you have in a in a group? Uh, eight to ten, I okay. think, is a good size. Yeah. Um, it, it's manageable and it's not too big to where you have like subgroups forming um, okay. and it's not too small to where people feel vulnerable, right? They need to be able to like lean back into the crowd and then move front and center at different times nice. based off their cover, right? Um, but like when I start, right, um, men in the Western world, especially America, tend to be very walled off. Um, even though there's a big desire for men to connect with one another, um, we don't have a lot of format for that. We used to in tribal cultures, we'd sit around a fire or on hunting parties, right? Right. And we'd talk about things that matter. Um, but we don't have a lot of that. So these groups really kind of create that, that format for that. Um, but when I when men meet for the first time, right? Their defenses are up, right? They're it's guarded. It's going to be a little bit awkward. Yeah. So Maybe not so much for you not as, for me, as yeah. the guide, if you will, but yeah. for them it's got to be... Intimidating. It can be, but I think if it, if done right, um, when I first started doing them, it would take three or four sessions for people to start opening up. Okay. But now I just think it's kind of 
part of it's the state of the world, right? Of just like men are hungry for this. Um, and I find that one or two sessions, people are dropping those walls. But I'll, I'll ask men to introduce themselves. I'll pass around a rattle I use and, and I say, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are, but refrain from telling me what you do for a living. And you'll nice. see men that just struggle, right? Because <laughs> they what we identify do, with their employment. Yeah. And I've seen men struggle and they're like, uh, they'll ramble off a couple of things and then pass the rattle. And the next person will be like, oh, I'm a father. And that first person will be like, oh, yeah, I'm a father. And it blows <laughs> my mind that these big, these big. How can I forget? Yeah, but that's how much we identify with what we do for a living, right? Right. So it's these things that where I get to know people of like, man, like, tell me what's important to you, right? Like, tell me what you struggle with, right? Um, I want that intimacy um, with people. And especially men, right? Like, I, I want to know my friends. I want to know people that I care about um, at just a deeper level. I think that's just, oh, it's everything for nice. me. Yeah. That's all. How, what made you, as opposed to individual therapy, venture into group therapy? Or does it go hand in hand? Um, well, there, there are things that you can get out of group that you can't get out of individual therapy, right? Um, mainly observers. Right? So in individual therapy, it's myself and the patient or client, right? Um, and while I have insight into that, there's going to be things I miss, right? Okay. Uh, uh, but with third-party people, they can watch the dynamic, right? Go, I noticed when you said this, you did this and you did this, right? Yeah. So we just get this other thing. And then in, in groups, you can have somebody observing that observation, right? And so it's <laughs> just much deeper and richer. Um, but at the expense of some of some intimacy in one on one. So there's room for both. And so I, I love when I see people individually and they also attend group with me, right? You get both you get the benefits from both. Yeah. Yeah. Which has to help you as a psychiatrist to psychotherapist. Psychotherapist, yeah. sorry. I don't I don't write books prescription. Um, <laughs> but um, it does help me, but it helps the 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 individual too, right? It's got to be huge. Yeah, and and even that person making that observation, right? Um, when they're discussing things that aren't particularly their issue, it can still be tremendously helpful, right? Because we can see that archetypal thing. If somebody's talking about struggle with a relationship, everybody in that room has at some time struggled in a relationship, right? So yeah. while this conversation is about this guy's relationship, you can always take from that and apply it of like, oh, identify. Yeah, because you've been through similar situations or or you will or you right, will yeah. right so, <laughs> so yeah oh, that's awesome is there anything else you want to chat about I think we're creeping up on about an hour we've probably got five or ten minutes left but uh, we can fill the void and we can always save it for next time I definitely hope I can yeah, get you back I, over I was just going to float like ah <laughs> uh, just yeah I look forward to next time I was hopeful and crossing my fingers for people who can't see it but like <laughs> yeah this is great this, this is the kind of thing I live for and thanks for being persistent in my busyness. <laughs> no, you're trying to, to... I took the initiative because I really wanted to have you on and I know you're busy. And yeah. You gave me a verbal agreement that you're like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm gonna, let's do it. Yeah. And uh, we, we did put it off for about a week. I was going to have you on and you just got busy yeah. and that's absolutely fine. Things kind of tend to work out how they're supposed to. And I, I was able to sit down with Kane and, and have an awesome conversation with him and share some of his band, Spooky DeVille. Yeah. It's like awesome psycho Billy. I, I can't believe that brother can sing. Yeah. He's a badass. <laughs> I, like when I first heard it, I was like, this is fucking good. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, 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 so it just I worked heard them out, years you know? ago before I knew him. 
right? Oh, nice. And and never made the connection that that was that him. That was him. Yeah. And, well, he's got a big beard now. Yeah. <laughs> Much like yourself. Yeah. I've got some whiskers coming. This is about as good as my beard usually looks. It's handsome. I'm kind of very, glad very people handsome. can't see it. It's just lazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to grow it out or anything. I just. I grew this out after yeah. the Navy, right? Thinking, oh, because my beard grows fast, and I thought like. I had to shave twice a day to be in uniform regulations. <laughs> yeah. And I hated it. So when I get out, I'm not going to shave. And this is far more work than shaving. This is a tremendous amount. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, do you know Donnie and Sadie? Uh, Salazar, the uh, owner and operate Beard Care Club. No, no. So it, it's a local company out of Utah. All their products are made in the USA. But uh, nice. he, it's just crazy that there's that big of a market with beard oils, beard combs, supplements to help your beard grow, which I could probably benefit it's a labor of love and I, I but, really yeah. do it for the masses right because nice. the, the public appreciates it yeah <laughs> Just yeah everybody does right jokes jokes yeah no that's awesome Maybe anybody you want to shout out or mention um no like i i think i think the right people are listening already or nice or hopefully been on or are gonna be on the six yeah. listeners that i have on a regular basis uh, tuning in come on <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. I, I look forward to coming back, man. Like, if for nothing else, to get an hour to sit down and just chat with you, man. Yeah, like, it's, it's nice. Worth it for me. I'm horrible when it comes to reaching out to people and, and hanging out. I mean, we all have our own kind of cliques or inner circles, if you will, that we see on a regular basis, and we appreciate those people. But there's so many people I appreciate that it, it this is just an excuse to get people to come over, talk about tattoos, movies, music, what, you know, whatever wherever that conversation takes us yeah. and it's a it's a good way to force me to beat that resistance of not reaching out and taking the time to sit down and hang out with like today hanging out with my brother and i, I get it i'm doing the same thing i uh kim ferrick and, and i are working on uh jung and whiskey and nice. it's gonna be a, uh, invitation only but you can definitely request an invitation uh we'll we'll do some great whiskey tastings and these whiskeys based on their flavor their story you're a big whiskey connoisseur i am a big whiskey you've had me over before for some whiskeys yeah <laughs> i like nice things man um i'm formally requesting an invite to young and whiskey <laughs> noted um, <laughs> and, 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 and then we'll tie like those whiskeys to Jungian concepts and archetypal qualities and it was oh, just very cool. good like a, an educational on some Jungian topics and some good times with with some whiskeys um Kim's phenomenal at, like, um, she's currently, like, uh, sets the stage and does all the marketing for um, Salt Lake Supper Club. Okay. Um, so she's going to bring those skills and some of her own in, in around ritual um, and creating ritual out of nowhere um, for these things, and, and it'll be a good time. And so uh, I'll, I'll get you on the short list for that. <laughs> but that's a, that's a way I want to build community and get to know people and have deeper conversations. And, well, and community's huge. Yeah. It is what we make it, and it, the difference from avoiding your neighbor to engaging your neighbor, even if it's a smile and a wave from across the street, changes the neighborhood. It changes everything. Yeah. It, uh, it kind of brings us back to that tribal sense of you depended on your community. If, if the guy in the hut, two huts down or whatever, was sick or injured and couldn't go out and hunt, and you're not a hunter, that's funny that you're going hungry. That reminds me of my favorite poems, right? Uh, by Hafiz, right? Uh, uh, it's called a hunting party. It says a hunting party has a greater chance. 
of finding God than a warrior all alone. Right? <laughs> I like that a lot. And I read this to my groups too because, man, we can't do it alone. No. There's this myth, American myth, right, of the self-made man. And I call it a myth, not in the Joseph Campbell sense where myth is amazing, but yeah. as in a lie. Yeah. It's a lie that, that you it's can get It's a fabrication. By. Yeah. You, you can't get by on your own. And nobody does. Um, it's delusional and narcissistic, you think you do. And even if you could, man, that sounds lonely to me. I yeah. Don't, I don't want any part of that. I want, I want community. I want a hunting party. Yeah, I definitely want a hunting party. And I appreciate individuality. Yeah. And I love seeing... That's one thing with Freemasonry that's amazing to me, is you seeing that community where we're not judging each other off of our political backgrounds, our religious beliefs, what we do for a living. You know, we truly meet on the level, and that's... Yeah. a fundamental aspect of Freemasonry that I love. And it's a community of individual journeys. Yeah, yeah it's great. absolutely. Yeah. And to take kind of those teachings from Freemasonry and apply them to your community, That's our job, I don't give right? a shit who you voted for. I, I give a shit how you treat, treat one, another, one yeah. another and how you carry yourself. And, you know, not to go into politics too much that's never fun uh, as I've said before there's just too much sensi sensitivity on both sides and I'm I'm kind of right down the middle <laughs> yeah. I'm a screaming socialist but I, I own that I was sleep so <laughs> oh no we're gonna get haters now it's right. mentioned socialism yeah well most people that hate it don't understand it that's very true uh, especially democratic socialism agreed yeah. and there's pros and cons to everything there are there are no so, perfect systems no that's what dialogue is for <laughs> fighting common ground and we lose that sense of dialogue today everybody gets so de defensive oh you don't believe what i believe and they're shut off yeah and that's yeah. extremely unhealthy yeah. and destructive yeah. to the community to the tribe agreed. But, uh, we'll save that for next time we will but sean i really appreciate you coming over yeah, thanks and for having me out. i mentioned yeah. that on the shout out and uh I look forward to having you back, man. I'll be later down the line. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you. And that's a wrap on episode 11 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Sean Patrick McPeak, for taking time out of his day to come over and hang out. I look forward to sitting down with you again soon in the future. Don't forget to check out my shout-out, Cameron Bentley, owner and operator of Copper Pallet Press here in Salt Lake City, at Copper Camo on Instagram. You can also follow the Instagram account for this podcast, at dead underscore serial. Do no harm, take no shit. Tonight I leave you with something a little bit different, and I hope you like it. Can you hear me? It has been a glorious time to be alive and doing research in theoretical physics. Our picture of the universe has changed a great deal in the last 50 years, and I'm happy if I have made a small contribution. The fact that we humans, who are ourselves mere collections of fundamental particles of nature, have been able to come this close to an understanding of the laws governing us and our universe is a great triumph. I want to share my excitement and enthusiasm about this quest. So remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist. Be curious. And however difficult life may seem, there is always something you can do and succeed at. It matters that you don't just give up. 
Thank you for listening.